Hello and welcome to the Foundry Church podcast. My name is Joseph. I'm the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church. We're so excited that you have found us, uh, whether that was intentional or not. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, we're in the middle of a sermon series right now called Brainstorm, where myself, Hunter Mertz, who is our family life pastor, and Seth Kane, who is our lead pastor, are literally inviting someone up from the audience uh, there on Sunday morning to choose a scripture at random from a section of the Bible. And then we are building a message in real time, in person, live on stage uh, around that message. And so far it's been a very cool exercise in how to read the Bible, how to read the Bible in community with other people, how to ask good questions, how to examine different angles. Uh, and we hope you agree. Uh, this week we were in the Gospels. We added on the Book of Acts as well. Uh, being the sort of the history, the story of the New Testament. And uh, we think it went pretty well. Uh, we hope you agree and we hope you enjoy this message from our series, Brainstorm. Me, there we go. Uh, welcome, yeah, we did it, way to go. If you set the bar low, you, it's, anyways. Uh, what are we doing? My name is Seth. I'm at the Foundry. You guys are too. Uh, you can tell my name is Seth because of my name tag. Also, my fun fact is that I'm 6'3", if you saw that. <laughs> I'm actually 6'3". Uh, hey, I'm glad you're here this morning, whether you're doing it in person or online. Uh, we are in week three of our series that we're calling Brainstorm. If you haven't been here or just checking us out for the first time, this is a different kind of series that we're doing. We're actually calling it a sermon writing experiment. And so what we're doing is we're taking different sections of the Bible. We're picking a verse at random, and then Joseph and Hunter and myself are attempting to sort through, discuss, uh, study, uncover, reveal, whatever's there, and then try to build a message out of that. We have 30 minutes to study, and then five minutes to give a message. So far, we've been... Not so bad. Yesterday went, or yesterday, last week I felt like went really good, and the week before that was not terrible. So we've done the Torah, we've done the wisdom literature, this week we're doing the Gospels, next week we'll do the Epistles, and then the week after that we start our Christmas, Christmas series that we're calling Wake Up a Sleeper, which is going to be really good. Now, before we get into it today, I do want to talk about the 5K for just one second. Um, I'm sorry that we didn't make that thing happen, you know, it's the hurricane, so blame not us. Um, but the good news in this is, one, we're still asking everybody to participate in that, obviously. Right, go take a picture of yourself pretending to run 5K or whatever it is, ride a bike and then hop off and take the picture. Whatever it is, better you, better world. And the whole thing is to support Grace Mount Nutrition Center in Haiti, which is near and dear to our hearts because we know the people that run that, and it's an awesome organization. So what's cool about this thing and the fact that we went virtual is that we were actually able to recover some of the money that we had to spend on things like uh, insurance for the race and the fire department and other stuff we had to rent and stuff like that. So we actually got money back that we can now give to the mission as well. So because of your participation and because of our sponsors, big shout out to our sponsors, uh, Keel Team, Andrew, thanks for that, Vince, and uh, I got a shirt right here. If you haven't seen the shirts, the shirts are pretty cool. Looks like this. Um, it's got a sloth this year instead of a snail because as Joe says, who are we kidding? Um, and then our sponsor on the back, the Keel Team, Shotskis, Atticus, Kingdom Cuts, uh, Singh Family Dentistry and the Foundry Center. So thank you to those guys that made this thing happen. But here, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, what's really awesome is because of your support, because of our sponsors, and because of like going virtual with this thing, we were actually able to raise 3,500 bucks to send to Grace Mount Nutrition. So I'm super excited about that, and uh, I'm super proud of you guys, and now you you just have to go do it, please, you know. So anyways, all right, so week three, brainstorm. I need one brave volunteer who can come and select a thing at random. What do we got, Miss Erin Worzing? Yeah, why don't you give, it a, give a round for applause for Miss Erin Worzing. Can we get the theme music, please? Can you dance it on up? Can you dance it on up? Come on, come on, shake it. There you go, there you go. Here, let me help you up. There's no, there's no side railings. There you go, there you go. All right, and now if our lovely assistants would please bring the podium of doom, destiny, uh, in front of us here. And gentlemen, if you would please reveal the podium. The appeal hasn't worn off yet. This is like the third time. It's not like something different's gonna happen. All right, Miss Aaron. There you go. I don't know which way, that's upside down. I'm not up to speed on sleep mask usage. Okay, so let's spin you around, because this is important. This will really throw her off her game. There you go, stop. Okay, now we're gonna spin the Bible a few times, because this will really throw off her game too. All right, place your hands out. Here's the passages. Now, flip through, and when you're ready, please point to our scripture. Okay, ready, and... Yeah, you can remove that. Okay, so what we have here is John chapter 10, verse 11. Is that correct? And I specifically picked the King James. Well, the, the, it's all different. There's four side by side, so yes. it, yeah, yeah. Aaron loves the King James. She, it says, are we ready? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. I like it. Good job. Thank you. All right, give a round of applause. Give a round of applause. Thank you, Aaron. So John chapter 10, verse, what do we say? 11. John chapter 10, verse 11. Okay, now what I have to do is shut the lights off. And last time we mentioned this, and I think it worked okay, but um, don't text me if you have an opinion or a thought. Uh, Joe is going to post a Facebook post in the family, Facebook family, and it will say week three, and then it will put the verse up. And so if you have comments or whatever, that is the place to put that in. We will check on it a couple of times throughout the message, and that post is live in the Foundry family. Starting right now. Now. Okay, so, gentlemen, on three. One, two, three. Brainstorm. Okay. okay we're we've good. never done that. That, huh? was, that was, we've never done it that way. I know, I just made that up. That was awkward. We needed it for That was awkward? I thought it was quite lovely. They felt good about it. Hunter felt good about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, John 10, 11. Hmm. (laughs) That's suspiciously close to John 10, 10. That is, which we actually like a whole lot. Famously, it's the verse right after John 10, 10. Oh, 10, 11. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're such a scholar. Um, So, who would you say wrote... Well, uh, funny you should mention It's that. a matter of some debate, believe it or not. <laughs> no, um, church tradition, of course, would say uh, the disciple John. Um, and, and, and just an interesting <laughs> fact is he never refers to himself that way 
in the Gospel of Johnny. The, the, the Gospel I'll, of Johnny? Is that what you just said? No, I said the okay. Gospel of John. He okay. always refers to himself as the, the, the one whom Jesus loved. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm the one writing it. Yeah. I, yeah. I was the favorite he, son. He basically is like, Jesus' inner circle were Peter, James, and Jesus' special friend, me. <laughs> That's what he says. All right. Uh, so let's, let's uh, start with maybe expanding this just a little bit. Sure. Okay, so we're in chapter 10, which is called, the heading on it is the good shepherd and his sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, he says at verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we assume just from this verse, Jesus is talking. Um, if you back up, so. huh? It would seem so. It would be it weird so. if it was somebody else. Right. Um, so where are we at in this story? Let, let's read from 10, or do you want to read it? I can read it. Okay, let's read from 10 until <clears throat> uh, it seems like we got a good... Verse 10? 10 10? 10, I mean, chapter 10, verse 1 through 21. Let's just read that kind of section. And see Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. That's an end quote, and it says Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this, excuse me, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. End quote. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. So he's not talking just to the disciples here. This is a larger group. Hmm. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Okay. So there's some conflict. And even the next section says uh, further conflict over Jesus' claims. Hunter, do you have something? Or are you oh, just I was just writing started? down. Jesus says, I am the gate, but I am also the shepherd. I'm two and one. You got a two for right there. Okay. Jesus. We, we don't include gate in the titles for Jesus. We're like King of Kings, Lord good of Lords. Jesus shepherd. says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate. I'm the gate. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring. It doesn't have the same, yeah. have the same ring. Um, where are we at in the overall story of like the time, the time frame, the lifespan of Jesus? Are we early? Are we late? Are we in the middle? Where, when is this happening? 
Well, his whole public ministry took place towards the end. So in the life, or towards the end. <laughs> like the last three years, give or take. So, so you would like say that. roughly within the last three years somewhere? Yeah, yeah. somewhere in the last three Smart years. Alex. <laughs> Smart Alex. Smart Alex. You know what we should include in this time is like a tag team where I get to tag out and bring in somebody else. You're like, I'm done with these yeah. two. I can't, yeah. I can't go anymore. Someone else needs to. We should look into that for next week. Okay. So uh, major themes, major ideas, what stands out to you guys? Obviously, you have the sheep, the shepherd, you have the gate. Uh, these are all kind of very uh, it's a metaphor. familiar metaphors. Familiar maybe. images to a, pastor, a pastoral people. Okay, is there anything that stands out as far as... <laughs> I said don't text me. Put your phone on do not disturb. It's not my phone. Now it's coming on my computer. <laughs> Put your yeah. computer on <laughs> do not disturb. Get you connected. How do I do that? Now we're back I think technology. if you do it on your phone, it'll happen on your computer, too. Okay. Leave <laughs> me alone. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Well, do we want to start with why, like, any specifics about John? Sh- sure. I mean, we can. In general? In general. Uh, yeah, go, go for it. What do you got, buddy? Um, so a couple things, like, right off the bat that, like, John reminds me of. Like, John is the love gospel, um, like he that like love one another is like that that's his thing that's what he harps on all throughout his gospels and throughout his three letters um, and then like the other thing that pops to mind when I think of John is like symbols um, his is like the weird gospel of the three um, or of the four like the other three the synoptic gospels are much more straightforward uh, much more aligned with each other and John just kind of out here doing his own thing, uh, because he leans into like the symbolism uh, and pulls a lot more references from the Old Testament into his writings. Okay, um, so with the symbolism, we see that this metaphor type shepherd, sheep, gate, all the things. Um, is there anything that stands out in this passage? That's, I mean, because I mean, to me, I, I immediately see. I see two different paths here. I see the one that we're probably more familiar with, the, just the idea, he's the good shepherd, he's gonna look after the sheep, right? Like, that, that's comforting, that's great, we love that. We love um, all the, what is it, the Proverbs that talk about, he is my shepherd, you know, I shall not want, all these things. That's uh, a psalm. Sure, that too. 23. Um, psalm 20, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mason. <laughs> Who's ready to tag in? Um, so, but there's also, there's a really interesting verse here <laughs> that, that could take us in a whole different direction. Is it 10-1? Because we had a question about 10-1. Is there actually a way to enter not via the gate? To sneak in. Like, like I, okay, I think it's okay. a question about, let's, let's parse the metaphor, because if inside the gate is heaven, is Jesus saying there's a way to get in not by the gate, but those who do it are wrong. Well, this actually ties into the verse that I think is interesting. Okay. Verse 16. Let me get there. Look at verse 16. It might be... So this... this oh, I, I have other sheep. I, I don't know if this, this will be helpful in, if we're creating like a, a nice, comfy sermon for like, Jesus loves you. This, this like may be a bigger conversation that I don't... Okay, so can you, what does 1016 say? I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. 
So it seems like there's a uniting of flocks. There's a uniting there's, of flocks. There's multiple flocks. But Jesus I think, is going to make them one flock. Right. But when he starts to talk about, I have these that you don't know about, right? Like, is this whole thing bigger? I have other <clears throat> sheep that are not of this pen. So, because to me, what this, this points to is this idea of, and, and what I believe we see throughout the scripture is this idea of the whole story is continuing to expand. Because if you, if you look at the overall narrative, the trajectory of the Bible, what are you laughing? Is comments comments is it, on it, Facebook. <laughs> no, I'm going I'm to go away from Facebook. <laughs> uh, the, the overall trajectory of the Bible is, is always, is, the whole story is expanding. It starts, you know, if you yeah. start going back to Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant, you start with one guy, which then grows to, like, a family, mm-hmm. which then grows to a tribe, which then grows to a nation. And your nation's going to be a blessing to, and your nation to all the be a other blessing. nations. But then when you get into the New Testament, it expands beyond that nation to the Gentiles. To, you know, like, there's just this continual expansion. So when you see something like this to me, and, and, and to me, if you tie that to verse 1, anyone who does not enter the, the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief or a robber. But then he's also saying, like, but I'm expanding. Uh, it's not just you guys. Yeah. Well, so so you, I, I, I still think there's a, a need to parse the metaphor a little bit. Okay, so because hit the me sheep, with it. So who, who are the sheep in the metaphor? I'm assuming the Jewish people, Israel. So what is the pen? Is it heaven? Is it identity among each other? Is it um, is, is the gate heaven? Like like entering and leaving through the gate is. Entering heaven, but are we overthinking this? It's very possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or are Don't, we underthinking. Was it? it think zebras, not horses? What? what? Think horses, not zebras? Yeah, thank you. you you're with me. Um, okay, here's a, just a side note. The gate. This is from the NIV Study Bible. Uh, the gate for the sheep pen was a small opening that was typically a low stone wall. The gate could be filled with brush, or a shepherd could physically lie down in the opening. Oh, that's interesting. The gate represents both Jesus as the way to salvation or the kingdom of God, and as the one worthy to shepherd the people. The allegorical overtones probably invited uh, his audience to engage his interpretation, in, engage in interpretation. So is the idea being in the pen is being in the kingdom, and if you try to get into the kingdom without going through the gate, you're a thief and a robber? I don't know. And Jesus is saying, I'm the gate, I'm also the shepherd, but also there's other sheep that are not part of this specific pen that I'm going to bring, and we're all going to be one flock. Yeah, well, but even even with this idea, he's saying like... if he tells it in a way that it's open to interpretation, he tells it in a way that is specifically not specific so that you can wrestle through it. So are we doing the thing that Jesus wanted us to do by sorting through it? Like, if our approach to scripture is to always have the answer, it's to always find the answer. Yeah. But what we see Jesus doing is going, I'm going to tell you a thing that's meant to guide you to something through your own wrestling, mm-hmm. which some scriptures speak to, right? About testing and about sorting through. Yeah. Um, then are we actually, are, are we engaging in the thing that he wants us to engage in? Yeah. I don't know. 
I, yeah, I, probably. I don't know. Okay. Um, well, what I mean. So the, you summarize this whole thing by going, G- Jesus is the answer. Is that the well, well, so I mean, that's, that's one, you mentioned at the start of this, there's maybe two main thrusts. One is that the other main thrust, I think, starts in verse 11, which is the actual verse that, um, that Aaron pointed to, where it's all this stuff about laying, laying down his life for the sheep. Okay. And there's this whole section where uh, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand doesn't because it's just a hired hand. And when the wolf comes, no, but they see, run away. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna try to go through the whole thing and make direct parallels to each thing, who's the hired hand? Well, I, I, I don't not, know that you can do that. I'm not trying to do that anymore. I've moved on. We'll stop doing that. I've moved on. <laughs> I'm just saying the, the thrust of 11 through 18 is the idea of the, the laying down of Jesus' life. And then he even mentions, I, I, I'm laying it down so that I can take it up again. I have the power to do that. I lay it down of my own accord. And um, so that maybe is, is the other main thrust. There's this idea of focusing on the sheep and, and uh, what that means to be a sheep, to be led by the shepherd, to be in the pen or out of the pen, to go in the gate, out of the gate. And then there's this section that's like, what does the shepherd do for the sheep? Hmm. The shepherd protects, the shepherd lays down his life, the shepherd is this very sacrificial sort of picture of how the shepherd interacts with the sheep. Okay, so maybe, so, so you're, you're running two separate ideas. One is, here's how we understand God via this picture of Jesus who is this metaphorical shepherd. Mm-hmm. And the other is this, here's this way that we enter into kingdom, salvation, that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's what you that's just what, said, isn't it? Well, I'm just saying there's, there's two, seems like there's two trains of thought going parallel to each other. Right. But yeah, then, and so, when one is more about the sheep than the shepherd, one is more about the shepherd than the sheep. Right. But then on top of that, you have this idea of, yeah, but it's not, it's not just you guys. Yeah. That's the thing that's interesting to I me. I think that's the red herring. To which one? That, the verse 16. Not that it's not important. So what's interesting, um, so this commentary, Ambington New Testament commentary, suggests that Jesus is not actually with his disciples during this episode. Um, It suggests that Jesus, uh, if you read the scene from chapter 9, his disciples are all obviously with him in chapter 9 when he's healing the man born blind. But when he speaks of the the sheep, um, which this communicates the disciples are kind of the sheep, but he speaks completely in the third person and does not include, like, he's not really speaking to, like, you all are the sheep. He's saying, my sheep. So it suggests that Jesus is just with his opponents at this point um, and that this is another test on his authority um, yeah. among the Pharisees. Um, well, ver- so- I mean, verse 19 speaks to that because it says, again, the Jews were divided because of these words which implies a larger crowd than his disciples. Well, okay, so here's the interesting thing, too, is if you expand kind of beyond where we're at, right? So if you go just before 10, the, the, the subheading is spiritual blindness, and he's having this conversation. Um, Jesus asked, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe you, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? 
Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So there's this discussion about these people are, are, are not seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. Then he gives this illustration of the sheep, the good shepherd, the pen. Then he talks about how it's not just this pen, but the thing that he's doing is bigger than just this pen. Yeah. And then you see more conflict. Well, and that, so, that sort of speaks, one of the comments we got uh, was from our friend Sandy, who said, it seems like many of the sheep are listening, but not all are hearing. It would almost be like not seeing. <laughs> was that a it's s- not joke? No, what? no. Okay. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. They're, they're, they're hearing, but they're not hearing. They're seeing, but they're not seeing. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, Jesus Like waking up to the thing that's in front of you that... Oh, sleeper? Who is it? Which gospel writes, if you have... Again and again, if you have eyes, see. Let those who have ears, let them hear. Is that that one of the synoptics or is that John? That sounds like a Matthew thing. I don't know. Okay. Somebody will comment and let us know soon, I'm sure. Well, yeah. Otherwise, that comment was not helpful. (laughs) You can just ignore that. Okay. So we got like 12 minutes. What what do we want to do? What do we want to put together? What direction? Oh, okay, so this commentary, I think this is really interesting. So uh, this commentary is talking through, trying to figure out, like, who who is the shepherd, who's the sheep, who's the true shepherd versus the false shepherds, um, because it it aligns it with a little bit of, like, Jesus' identity as not just the a shepherd, but the shepherd, the true shepherd. Um, And so it writes... um, it questions, uh, are the Pharisees of the preceding discourse, the, the ones who have, are spiritually blind and in chapter 9 failed to help the man who was born blind properly, um, they ask, uh, so are the Pharisees of the preceding discourse who have been poor shepherds to the blind man uh, or others, for example, uh, messianic pretenders or savior figures generally, obviously in this discourse they serve as foils to the true shepherd who appears in verse 2. The shepherd of the sheep who enters the gate um, and will in due course be identified as Jesus, verse 11. Um, so it, it says, like, are we comparing not that the Pharisees are, like, are they the false shepherds, which aligns so much with the, um, the, the, minor, uh, the minor prophets um, at the end of the Old Testament. Um, so I think of like Malachi specifically who just like drags the priests over the coals because they have failed again and again to be true shepherds to the people, to really lead them. Um, and so with this idea of like Jesus heals a man born blind, the Pharisees come to investigate that healing and kind of like push back against it. Um, and then Jesus is like, you are the ones that are, are truly blind right now, but yet you're supposed to be leading these people, but you can't see that that also yourself. kind of helps make sense of John 10, 10, which in the whole context of this is kind of a hinge verse. Mm-hmm. Jesus is talking about the, the sheep and the pen and the gate, and he's the true shepherd and all that. And if he's, if he's, if this whole conversation is an outgrowth of that conversation at the end of chapter nine, mm-hmm. um, then he says, when he's talking about thieves and bandits, being the comparison with the, the, uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders who were spiritually blind. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's, he's saying nothing, nothing spiritually life-giving comes from that. I have come, the true shepherd, the good shepherd, the gate, uh, have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have abundant life or have eternal life, depending on your, your translation of John 10.10. 10. And then he goes on to talk about why that is. 
I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So that makes John 10, 10 a real like, hinge point in that story. And it makes it fit a lot better if, yeah. we're, if we're placing this conversation in the context of, of uh, John chapter So one. when I love that, even like that's before he really dives into like, I am the shepherd. Like that's when he's, I am the gate for the sheep mm-hmm. um, without identifying a gatekeeper. Um, yeah. So it almost suggests that like, hey, there is no gatekeeper to get into this fullness of life. You can just walk. You don't have to jump over the fence. You don't have to be a faithful robber. You don't have to feel threatened uh, by this. You don't have to try to grasp the fullness of life at the expense of others. You can just walk in. I am the gate. It's a story about freedom from religion. Is that? Well, maybe, uh, maybe from, even a freedom. from the specific type of religiosity that the Pharisees were. We're kind of putting from, on people. Yeah, yeah. it's a, from from legalistic religion. And what's I would almost expand it past. I feel like that almost like bounds it too small. Like I almost feel like it's not just a freedom from that. It's a freedom from the the culture of our societies, which is not too different than the Roman society back then. Of of this, like, I, I need to get for myself. I need to provide for myself. Well, without, sure. like, sh- like, sheep are very communal creatures, very non-threatening communal creatures. Um, you don't have to be the wolf in sheep's clothing. You don't have to, like, sneak your way into the gate to get this fullness of life. You can just, doesn't well, matter but, what way of life you are living, like, you can just walk in. So if you start with the if you start with the Jesus. previous conversation of spiritual blindness, and then he starts to talk, he, he t- it starts that chapter ten with I tell you Pharisees. So he's directing this conversation towards the guys who are the religious establishment who are upholding the law. He, what is that hmm? in the text, or is that a commentary? That's in the text, verse ten, chapter one, Very, in NIV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's not in the NRSV or a couple others. Or the old NIV. It just, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's, if that's in the newer translation of the NIV and not the older one, then that would be a reflection of like more modern scholarship. We, we think this is what Jesus was really getting at. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> T- text it. <laughs> Put it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we do know that Paul Paul writes extensively about that ideal. Um, in many of the communities and churches that Paul visits and plants and writes to, there is such a huge divide between uh, Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, uh, and a problem that. Paul continues to write about is uh, the Jewish Christians imposing specific uh, practices that relate to uh, identity and less to uh, the so the uh, identity practices circumcision uh, and a couple of the other like food laws um, upon the Gentile Christians and Paul writes extensively about like that is not like necessary to to bring those. Um, very specific identity markers over into uh, into the church. Uh, and so Paul navigates that extensively. So it's very possible that Jesus is 
We know that Jesus precursors a lot of what we see in the epistles um, because Jesus does not specifically have a lot of interactions with Gentiles. He has a couple, um, but he alludes again and again throughout his, his teachings that the Gentiles will, there will be a time when his disciples bring the Gentiles into it. So this, can, yeah. this could easily be a precursor to, to some of that tension of like, and because even within the Jewish uh, sex right now, like there's the Sadducees, there's the Pharisees, the, like there's a bunch of different groups that are within the Jewish community that are pushing back and forth on, okay, what exactly, like which laws do we need to follow to, to right. stay in, in alignment? And so well, this hence, could hence be... the question to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. So uh, the thing that stands out to me still is the flow of this whole thing starts with spiritual blindness before chapter 10. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious people. He talks about this better, different way. Mm-hmm. He talks about the freedom, the fullness of life that's found in Jesus, i.e. the gatekeeper, the good shepherd, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's through me that you will experience the fullness of this life. And then at the, at the end of that section in verse uh, 19 and 20 and 21, before you get to the conflict over Jesus, it says, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said he's demon-possessed and raving, and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said they're not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? So even though they're in this religious place, in, in the system, and Jesus is going, no, 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 there's, there's freedom. There's a better way. Let me show you this. I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come through me. Like, experience this freedom. Experience the kingdom in the here and now. And then this, to me, sounds a lot like when they were rescued from Egypt and they get into the desert and then they start to grumble about the freedom going, yeah, but at least back there we had food. Yeah. They're, they're, they, they have got so caught up in the religion that when somebody, when the one who's claiming to be the Messiah says there's freedom in, found in me, you don't have to keep living this way, they go, we can't trust that guy, he's crazy. Yeah, there's like this... There's something, and I think maybe this speaks to even a bigger conversation, about how we don't, we say we want freedom, but we don't really know what that means or what that looks like. How do we live it? We're like cats. Okay. In in that, because I know you're not a cat guy. Cats cats will will climb into a box Uh or like hide under a bed or something. And it's because they they like the, the, they want to feel closed in. They're like, if if I can feel a wall at my back, and if I can feel a wall here, and if I can have a ceiling right here, I feel safe. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're that way. With, we're like, we want firm walls. We want to know exactly where the boundaries are. We want to have it all. Like, we want to be in a tight little box because yeah. we go, okay, I know where I am inside this box. Yeah. We like the ideal of wide open spaces yeah. where we yeah. can run and make great mistakes, but we don't actually like big open spaces because we're sheep which is why we need a no, shepherd it's because we're cats well, because we're cats <laughs> and we need a cat and, ring and for... hurting sheep hurting cats is harder than hurting sheep distinctly yeah I, where are we going with this one that, that one got off track I don't know but one more interesting thing from the Facebook uh, Mike Lotus posted and I think this is interesting and worth talking about in the minute and 40 we have left um, <laughs> thanks Mike he, he says Jesus is speaking to an audience that would have known Psalm 23 very very well mm. and would have related God to the shepherd imagery and so this is Jesus saying what's Psalm 23 can we read that just for fun the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me. 
Sorry to restore <laughs> my soul. <laughs> trying to be, um, trying no, to be more I official. I don't know that I have time but. to find it real quick um, in a meaningful way. But, but basically, Jesus in this passage is saying, look, there's a, there's a pen, there's sheep, there's a shepherd, there's a gatekeeper, there's a gate. I'm all of it. Hmm. I'm the gate. I'm the, I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the shepherd. And they would have gone, oh, shepherd, sheep, that's God. Jesus, Jesus is making a claim here about being the Messiah, about being being divine. Yeah, so the, yeah, it's, a, it's another reference to his authority um, in comparison to everything that's been happening, especially yeah. in response to the Pharisees investigating the healing on like, why, why are you healing? Like the, uh, oh, this, he, he's demon-possessed and raving and mad. Like that's not the first time and only time that Jesus mm. has been called demon-possessed mm. or Beelzebub or the king of demons. Like, or had stones thrown at him. Which or, happens later yeah. in chapter 10. Uh, which which really should give us a whole lot of like, sense of peace for when we get called things. For <laughs> that whenever things like, we try to bring freedom. <laughs> like, and even get... Jesus got yelled at for stupid yeah. stuff. Anyways. Okay, so we trying got, like, to bring freedom, or, you got... Who's going? Good luck. 10 seconds. It's me? It's you. I didn't even write anything down. I mean, hey, this is awesome. This is a great idea, Seth, whoever came up with this series. Okay, so... (laughs) uh, Obviously, there's a lot of directions here. And I think that's one, to me, the beauty of the scripture is that it's, it's rarely is it just one thing. There's layers to this. People have been studying and going through this stuff for thousands of years. Um, I, I really like the stuff that, that Mike pointed out with this, uh, with this idea of connecting them. You, you have this whole situation. Jesus is talking to these religious guys, these people who would have known and understood the Torah, who would have been deeply familiar with something like Psalms 23. And so these guys who live in this mindset that essentially what we're doing is we're, we're kind of, we're earning in some regard this sense of salvation that when we maintain, when we do the proper rules, when we adhere to the 600 and, what is it, 63, 613 laws, when, when we follow all those things, then we're earning this sense of holiness. We're earning this um, salvation, if you will. And so Jesus says to these guys, like, yeah, 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 actually, um, like, I, I'm, I am the God that you think of when you are talking about the shepherd. I I am the one. And when you think about a shepherd, uh, like Hunter had pointed out, um, or, and Joe had pointed out, like Jesus saying, like, I'm all these things. And what does the shepherd do? Of course, the shepherd looks after the sheep. So he's, he's painting this picture, not only that he is one with God, but like, this is a picture of what God is like. He is the one that's going to love, that's going to feed, that's going to protect that's going to guide, that's going to close the gate when it needs to be closed to keep you safe, that's going to open the gate to let the sheep in, whatever it is. He is that in its entirety. And so for me, all of those things are good. And, and like I said earlier, to me, this whole thing speaks to this larger idea of freedom. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. What the shepherd wants for the sheep is for them to experience the fullness of being a sheep, whatever that looks like. What the shepherd wants for the sheep is that they are not living with a sense of fear, that they are not living with a sense of want, that they're not living with a sense of 
I don't know if I will be provided for, that they are living with a sense of security and belonging and community. And the shepherd's job is to make sure that happens. And so he comes and he says, I've come that you may have life to the fullest. You don't have to keep jumping through these hoops. You don't have to keep making sure that you're following all these things because you're earning your way into my kingdom, that you're earning your way into the love of the shepherd. He says, no, no, I am the way. I am the one. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the one that's allowing you. I am the one that's providing and protecting for you. And so to these people who can't see this, This is this invitation to step into this new way of living, this invitation to come to the Father, to come to the Son, to come to the shepherd who's going to guide and protect and love. And the struggle that we see here, and as it continues, this conflict over Jesus' claims, the struggle that we see them pushing back against is like it's it's almost like it's too good to be true. Can we trust the shepherd? Can we trust that things are going to be, that we will be provided for? Can we trust that we will be safe? Right, so when we talk about this like better you, better world sort of thing, to me, how does something like this speak to us becoming a better you? How does this lead to a better world? Well, I think for me, this gives me a great deal of confidence to know that the the good shepherd, the father, is saying to us like, hey, I I will provide, I will protect, I will take care of you. I won't let the robbers in. I won't let the thief destroy. I will be the one that, that helps bring you along. I will provide for you in such a way that if you will trust in me, I will give you the life that you have so desired, the life that I've actually built for you to experience. God's intended reality, life to the fullest. So I take that, and then I want to live out of that with a sense of belonging, with a sense of love, with a sense of security. I don't have to doubt who God created me to be. I don't have to doubt my identity. I don't have to live with a deep sense of insecurity and always trying to prove and go and do. And I'm a part, I'm a part of the flock and the shepherd will provide and take care of me. And so when I live in that way, when I begin to live and experience that fullness of life, then what it says to me is that in this world, as we live our lives, I actually have the freedom to go and do and serve and create and participate in this life in a beautiful way. I can participate in a 5K and I can run or not run the miles and I can get the shirt and I can contribute to this Grace Malnutrition in Haiti and help to create a better world. And I can do that out of freedom. I can do that because I know the, the good shepherd is gonna take care of me. I, I can create and build and grow and do all these things because this is the life that God has intended me to live, that I'm not trying to earn or prove. I'm not trying to adhere to all the rules for the sake of stepping into. No, no, no. The good shepherd says, I, I, I've, I've got that covered. You belong. You belong. You belong. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The shepherd loves you enough to lay down his life. I think regardless of what you heard or didn't hear today, that verse alone speaks volumes to how much God loves you. Amen?
We're going to move into a time of communion in just a moment. Uh, If you're watching online, um, feel free to join us with uh, any of the uh, elements that you have at your disposal. Um, Toast, Pop-Tart, cereal. Just join us in this moment of, of communing, of feasting in the presence of God and remembrance. Now, if you're here in the room, there will be stations set up around the room uh, for you to um, partake in that communion. We'll also have prayer partners by the cross and by the prayer wall. Uh, if you need to, to talk with someone, to pray with someone for any reasons. If you're listening online, you can type in the chat and someone will be there to pray with you as well. Before we move um, into this time of communion, I want to read through Psalm 23 to help Uh, place our mind uh, in this moment. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. If we take the words of Jesus who said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. We shall not be in want. Jesus has us lie down in green pastures and Jesus leads us beside quiet waters. Jesus restores our souls. He guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though we might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for Jesus is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. Jesus prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Jesus anoints our head with oils and our cups overflow. For surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of God forever. For Jesus told us, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. If you will pray with me, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being the shepherd who guides us in the good and the bad of life. You are there. You are with us. You are the good shepherd that never abandons us, who lays down his life for us, who searches for us when we are lost. Thank you, Lord, for being our shepherd. Guide us into the life of fullness. We pray this in your name, and we pray this in the power of your spirit. Amen. Well, once again, thank you for spending a little bit of time out of your week with us here at the Foundry Church. We do hope you enjoyed uh, that message and the discussion around John chapter 10, verse 11. Um, you can find out more about our church if you're interested at our website. That's www.thefoundryc.org. Uh, you can also reach out to us directly via email by emailing info at thefoundryc.org. Obviously, this message series invites discussion in a way that most don't. And so we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear uh, your thoughts, your questions. Uh, we'll, we'll respond to any message you send. Uh, but that will do it for now. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.